for October 5th, 2023. It's the Lullabot Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Lullabot Podcast, episode 264. I'm Matt Cleave, a senior developer at Lullabot. And today we're talking standards. A uh, fellow Lullabot came home from a conference and said, Hey Matt, you gotta get this person on the podcast. And so I did. Um, Joyce Peralta, manager of digital communications from McGill University in Montreal. Hi Joyce, glad you're here. Hi Matt, nice to meet you. And I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. I, I digitally stalked you. It looked like you had been on Drupal.org for 13 years or so. So, yeah. 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 It's been a little while. And, uh, you know, what's interesting. I, I know when I was at DrupalCon in Pittsburgh this year, there was some talk about the changes that are coming in Drupal and how there's a, an interest in, in opening up the Drupal community, uh, you know, focusing on people that are maybe more interested in the business or management aspect of things. And I'm one of those people. I've been on Drupal for 13 years, which is a while, but I've actually only made a few commits. <laughs> I've worked on Drupal sy systems for, you know, all this time, but it's not the, the development side of things that, that I've been involved in. So I was really excited to hear about those changes at DrupalCon. Anyways. Thank you. 13 years. And, and Andrew attended Evolve Drupal. Is that what the conference was called? Yes, Evolve Drupal in Toronto, which is a related, I guess, to, to Drupal North, uh, which used to be the Canadian version of, of DrupalCon. There hasn't been a, a Drupal community event uh, like, like this, a wide-scale wide event in Canada since 2018, um, which was the last time that I attended uh, the conference. I think it was also in, in Toronto. And so it was really great to have an opportunity to get back together in person, uh, have this these experiences, see people that I hadn't seen in five years um, because I hadn't seen them since I'd been in Toronto and been at a, a, an event about Drupal um, in, in the Toronto area. Uh, so yeah, it was really neat. Kind of a blast from, bit of a blast from the past, which is fun. That's great. And and so you gave a talk called Building a Community of Practice for Digital Standards Compliance, parentheses, it's more fun than you think, which which I enjoyed. <laughs> like <laughs> kind of that, you know, this is this is kind of the the dull and no, it's more fun, right? It so. is more fun. Yeah. And I think that that's the the main uh, you know, focus of, of our strategy is focusing on the, the more human aspect. I, I mean, we have all the, the good policy and documentation and resources and training and all that stuff as well. But I feel like part of the real success of our initiative is the fact that we try to provide opportunities for our community to come out and learn in more of a social setting about our digital standards, that we talk to them on an ongoing basis in a fun and casual way about our digital standards, and that we encourage them to connect with each other, to share ideas, um, you know, learn together, um, and have uh, social experiences. And I think that that is what makes people want to participate and align with our, our standards and, and be part of our governance structure. So what kind of technology um, do you have at McGill 
that over over I guess is over all this stuff. Um, in, in terms of our platform, yeah, I mean, you're doing a bunch of, of Drupal, I guess, and yes, many other yeah. things integrated as well. It's true, yes. So we have a, a multi-site Drupal installation. We're on Drupal 7 right now. We're, of course, migrating uh, to Drupal 9 slash 10, and we hope to have that wrapped up soon. Uh, we have about uh, a thousand websites uh, in our multi-site installation. Wow, and that's yeah, huge. it's a big installation. <laughs> yeah, and it's been around since 2006. So I. On, in 2006, the university migrated on to Drupal 6, um, and it's been Drupal ever since. Uh, and yeah, 1,000 sites, 1,500 active site managers right now. So when I talk about these events and, and our, our strategy and these community uh, initiatives, we're involving this community of 1,500 site managers and the people that uh, either you know create content uh, for sites as well or strategic folks that work in the departments um, that produce, produce websites. So it's a, a large installation. Um, and in addition to that, there's of course a lot of integration um, with other systems. Uh, so we have um, integration with our banner system, uh, for example. So a lot of our you know bio data, um, we've got a really neat tool uh, that was built by uh, Evolving Web. <laughs> I don't know if we can um, about uh, who uh, created a course management tool for us where uh, we have a, a central uh, database with information about our courses that can be pulled dynamically onto our Drupal websites. Um, and we have a neat um, distribution, events distribution system as well, where uh, you can create uh, events and news locally, but distribute them across sites uh, in the multi-site installation. Uh, so yeah, there's some some neat things that that we have going on. So from a web perspective, that's what we've got uh, for our centrally supported web platform. We have another 500 sites, by the way, that are custom or vendor built. And some of those are Drupal sites. They're just not part of our centrally supported Drupal install. Um, and we involve those community members as well in our events. Uh, but for them, they're more personally responsible uh, to make sure that they are complying with all of our, our standards. We have a lot of checks and balances in our centrally supported CMS to encourage and support people um, in aligning with our standards, make it easier. So having 1,500 websites under your umbrella and you know as many people involved with those websites, I mean, it makes sense that you need to have this set of standards, right? So kind of give, give me the upper level overview of, of what you're trying to enforce, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the right word. <laughs> well, we don't like to think of it as enforcing, though it is an enforcement in a way. And uh, there is a process that was put in place for situations where there's compliance issues. But that process was actually defined by our community. So there's there's a, a web advisory community or a web advisory committee that we have. It's made up of audience members from across our uh, campus. So we have faculty members, staff, students, researchers, uh, and other people in our community who use the WMS. And when we wanted to put a 
you know, process in place for dealing with compliance issues, we asked the committee to define what the penalties would be if people didn't align with our policies and best practices. And they were the ones, it was really interesting because I feel like they came up with a, a, a a penalty process that was way more serious and and uh, you know um, kind of heavy-handed than we would have defined ourselves. Uh, so, if there is a an issue defined on a, a website or identified on a website, uh, you know, a, a staff member or a site manager will be informed that there's an issue. If they don't correct the issue, they have to retake the training that we have. If they don't correct the issue after they've retaken the training, then it's reported to higher ups uh, in the department. And if it's still not addressed, then the issue will go back to the committee and the committee can consider unpublishing the website. Uh, so that is what they've come up with as their own governance structure in terms of dealing with compliance issues. Um, and I think that uh, so far it's it's been pretty effective, but we, we haven't had to, to initiate it, which has been good. Um, so I, I feel like the, the one main concern that we have in all these situations is if there's a governance issue that's identified that is related to a human rights issue, either some kind of barrier to information that is, you know, uh, making it difficult for someone to study or to work, uh, then it would become something that we would be, uh, you know, very very serious about but so far people have been very accommodating when we've approached them and and have addressed issues so but that's that's more kind of the unfun end of yeah. the governance structure well, uh, let's take me through i guess the standards uh, i i see them on your website we'll link to them in the in the show notes um great if, if just kind of what are we trying to to get everybody on the same page about i guess well, uh, I'm going to go back actually to that event that uh, I was sure. that I, we were talking about the one in Toronto because the inspiration for the standards actually came from that event. So uh, I was at the Drupal North conference in 2018, and there was a presenter named Hillary Hartley, who is the digital service. Uh, I think she's the digital service officer. I probably got that wrong. Maybe we'll need to look that up. Uh, but she's with the digital service standard for the government of Ontario. And she was doing a presentation on the digital service standard for the government of Ontario. And they have a, a similar network uh, to the one that we've got. So it's similar in size, similar number of people, uh, similar kind of, you know, large uh, scope. and she was talking about this great simple list of standards that she had created to make it easy for people to follow our standards, follow the standards of the Ontario government um, and ensure that people were creating websites, government websites that were user friendly and optimized and basically made life easier for people who live and work in Ontario. Um, and at that, when I saw that presentation, I had this kind of eureka moment where I realized, hey, maybe a good way for us to build good standards and to have good websites, to create good websites for our community would be to create a user-friendly list of our all these policy documents and 
and best practices and guidelines that we have for people. Because up until that point, uh, you know, our our governance, uh, our, our policies and, and best practices were kind of in a mess. They were just a jumble of, of documents and, uh, you know, some of the information was in people's heads. So I saw this presentation, I had this moment where I'm like, you know, let's let's take our, our standards and make it into this nice simple list. And we created our, our digital standards. We actually did a benchmarking analysis first, um, and then we created our digital standards. And we now have boiled everything down to this nice list of nine digital standards that we've created for our community. Um, and uh, yeah, I could, I guess that's, I don't know. When I read those nine standards, I they they feel more like um, core values to me, and they're they're, they're general statements that uh, that kind of set the tone for for what you want to do. It's not necessarily a you know use this kind of markup or whatever, but it's 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 general ideas that oversee what you're trying to accomplish, right? That's it exactly. So. It's interesting because when we teach, we, we have a digital standards training course that everyone at the university is mandated to take if they're going to get access to use our systems or have a website on one of our central centrally supported servers. Um, and when we do these training sessions, we give them an overview of the digital standards uh, and we take them through the nine points uh, uh, one at a time. And when we do that, that, that training course, at the end, we ask people, okay, how many, how many standards does McGill have? And uh, some people say nine, you know, the nine points uh, that we have in our digital standards. But really beneath this is the, the many other policies and procedures and best practices that we have. So, you know, some people will say, oh, you have hundreds or thousands. Um, so yes, it, this, this is a list of nine high level concepts that people, that we want people to be educated on and that we want people to begin learning more about. So when they become part of our community, they take our digital standards course, they learn about these nine points, and then we're hoping that they're going to take that initial uh, amount of information that we give them and learn, want to learn more about all of these areas. Um, so for example, with our, our first standard, be user focused. There's uh, of course a lot of messaging related to be user, be, being user focused that speaks to following user experience design methodology and learning about how to do user experience research um, and understanding how to get a really good idea of what your audience requirements are. Uh, so, so you're right, it is kind of very high level concept but we're hoping that this will be a starting point and an introduction, and then people will be inspired to become part of our community and learn more and become experts in all of these areas. Yeah, when you drill down into each of these standards, um, you have a, a page on your website that has a whole lot more details and further references of things you should know about that kind of enforce this greater ideal, it sounds like, right? That's right, yes. So in addition to having 
you know, the, the resource and the pages with the further information. We also have these events that I'm taught that I uh, spoke about earlier, where we encourage people to come out and learn about uh, various messages and announcements and initiatives that we are ha that we have related to all of these areas we actually have one coming up next week i'm really excited about it uh, it's related to the make sites accessible standard which is actually going to change we're, we're renaming that soon to make sites inclusive um, and we have an event next week right now at mcgill we have indigenous awareness weeks happening uh, which is organized by our Indigenous Initiatives Department uh, at the university. And it's two weeks of uh, cultural events and activities and um, different types of opportunities for the McGill community to engage with uh, the broader Indigenous community and the Indigenous community at McGill. Um, so uh, we have this event that's coming up where we're going to be looking at best practices, uh, following best practices related to EDI. Um, and I think in the States, we say EDI, but am I right in, in understanding that in the States, it's mostly DEI? DEI is what I would, yeah, what I would be familiar with, yeah. Yes, yeah, so in Canada, I don't know why we flip it, I guess <laughs> we like to put our own little spin on things, but um, we say EDI. Um, so we are going to have an event and it, I'm really excited about it. We've got quite a good number of people registered from our community. Uh, we are doing it in collaboration with our equity team. And uh, it's gonna start with a panel discussion where the last EDI event we had with our community, we asked folks to vote on an EDI related book that they wanted to read. Uh, so the the book that we, that we identified was our, our book club book was um, the equity myth, uh, racialization, racial, racialization and indigeneity in higher education. So we're going to read that. Then we're going to have a panel discussion with uh, people from our equity department about what the book means in terms of how lessons learned and, and how how we should be building our websites and and what the the lessons in the equity myth the book the equity myth suggest or, or say to us in terms of how we could be building our websites differently and then we're going to have some breakout room discussions about um taxonomy for websites related to race and indigeneity and uh we'll also have a conversation about uh creating uh, land acknowledgements for websites. So not just taking a land acknowledgement and slapping it on your website, but creating and or writing an, a land acknowledgement that reflects the work that your department is doing and on a personal level can speak um, about how what your department does is connected to the land acknowledgement um, and the um, the, the commitments that your university has made in regard to acknowledging and respecting Indigenous peoples. We probably so, jumped jumped ahead in asking this, but you have this set of standards, but it sounds like they're never really done. Um, there's no. there's constant revision and and making sure that you're you know continuing to do the right thing for all of your sites. Right. It's true. Yes. Yeah. So every year we do so so. If, if you've looked through these standards, you might have sensed that we don't create all of the policy documents related to the standards. 
topics. For example, um, the privacy and security requirements are created within our by our infosec team in IT, our information security team in IT. Our legal department is involved in that as well. Uh, be consistent. There's standards in there related to visual identity that are created by our marketing department. Um, we also have make sites accessible as some of our equity team members help us create that content um, for those sites. So these standards are the are, are is a kind of a boiled down version or a user friendly version of all that documentation. And we meet with the policy holders in the various departments across McGill on a yearly basis to review the standards and make sure they're kept up to date. And I, I feel like that's also part of the success um, of this um, initiative because it's people that use it um, can have faith in the in the fact that it's current um, and that it's it's accurate. These aren't messages that have, you know, were created six years ago and have never been reviewed. We review them on an ongoing basis. Um, so yeah, they're always, always in flux as things change, as, as the government introduces new policy and new regulation, as best practices evolve, um, they're, they're always changing. We're talking with Joyce Peralta from McGill University about their standards that they have to keep all of their hundreds of websites uh, continuing to be exactly what they want them to be. Uh, coming up right after this, we are going to step through the standards real quick and talk a little bit about uh, any struggles that they might have come across implementing this process on the Lullabot Podcast. <music> Welcome back to the Lullabot Podcast. We're talking with Joyce Peralta from McGill University. Digital standards. Um, so what, what is the best thing that you've had come from this idea of like enforcing digital standards across this, this large group of websites that you're overseeing? Well, I, I think that's part of the title is, is the fun of it. I, and I think that's very unexpected. I was going to get there. When do we get to the fun part? Like, <laughs> what is the fun you it's see in this? It's all fun. No, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I feel like the fun part is the, the community aspect of it. The And I guess most of what I've been talking about so far has been the policy and how we create the policy and how we support it. But, and I've talked a little bit about the events. It's really at the events and through the interactions that we see in the community. So at the events, they're not just presentations where we, we talk at people. We actually have conversations. They're interactive. Uh, people come out. Our, our community is really keen to participate in discussion and to support each other. Um, and I think that that's where the fun part comes in because we're still having discussions about policy and best practice but we're having them in a social environment where people are engaged and interested and interacting with each other. And we also have message boards as well, uh, where, you know, at the start, I think we participated a lot more and, and, you know, engaged in the conversations and we still do, but I see more and more the community are supporting each other. They go into the message boards, they answer each other's questions, they uh, suggest ideas, inspire each other. And I think that's where the, the fun of it comes in is those things. And, and some of the events that we have, for example, we, we did, um, 
a conference, a PSC web conference, where we uh, got uh, institution-wide access for everyone and had uh, viewing party opportunities. Uh, those are fun experiences as well. So, so yeah, those aspects of it are, are where the fun come in. And that was the biggest surprise for me. We didn't intend to do that at the start. At first we thought, oh, we'll just create the resources, we'll have the training courses, we'll do all the, the governance framework. And then it was the community that's that started to ask us more and more for these these kind of interactive, fun experiences and fun opportunities, um, and opportunities to engage, and and that's that's how it evolved into our community of practice. And you've had the opportunity to to speak a few times, kind of about the the things that you've been doing, right? You mentioned to me Pittsburgh as well. Pittsburgh as yeah. well. One of the things that I, I really love about this presentation is I attend both developer conferences and like communications and marketing type conferences. And it, it resonates with both both communities, which is really neat. There are some things that I'll focus on a little bit differently and different questions that I get asked. If I'll do it at a more developer type conference than at more of a marketing type conference. But basically it's the same messaging and, and the same uh, the same content. So, so it's kind of neat. Do you get I different like questions from the two groups? Yeah, yes, yeah, I, I I'm, do. I'm imagining they would come at it from two different, completely different perspectives. Yeah, so. yes, yeah, and in not in ways maybe that you'd think. Um, so when I do it at, at developer conferences, uh, you know, it's not always just uh, higher ed folks in the room. Uh, you know, it, it's a chance for me, I think, to engage with uh, external providers uh, and, and companies who support us in higher ed. Um, so there's often questions about um, you know, uh, just general, how do you, how do you learn more? You know, what kind of opportunities are there for folks to, uh, be more involved and, and interested or are engaged and, and knowledgeable about our standards? Because when we're working with companies, if we know they're going to follow our standards, we'll promote them in the community, um, as you know, our preferred vendors. Um, so, uh, questions, uh, in areas like that, uh, and, um, and from a marketing perspective, of course, we always get, uh, you know, people that are interested in, in asking questions about uh, how to do uh, something similar in their own institution so that they can better control quality um, of their web spaces. Do you have so, any yeah, little recommendations for somebody who wants to do this in their own organization? Uh, yes. So we've been approached by a few universities uh, in IAV over the past few years um, of universities that are interested in, in doing similar or implementing similar uh, frameworks in, in their own institutions. And it's, it's as a starting point for us, uh, we worked on cultivating a relationship with the different departments and getting buy-in from the different departments who maintain the policies and documentation because it has to be a partnership. Um, you need to, to be able to work together to be able to produce the resource and you're going to need their ongoing participation to ensure that there's going to be that you're going to get help keeping it up to date. Um, so that's the first just doing a, you know, of creating relationships with these different departments, doing an audit of all of the, the policy and best practice and documentation that you have. Um, and then for us, the, the next step was doing a benchmarking analysis and looking at other 
institutions, other universities who have similar similar resources. So the government of the UK, by the way, has the the, the OG version of this document. So if you look at the, the gov.uk site for digital standards, you can see the original version. Um, the, the American government also has a version. Can Canadian government, of course, has one. And then there's a few universities um, across the world that have them. So, you know, thinking about which ones, which standards are, are relevant for you and, and how do you want to start um, in terms of creating a nice digital standards document um, for your community. So being a big part of an open source community, um, are these standards licensed in some way that somebody could adopt them for themselves or...? Not formally, but we, we, I mean, we don't see, I don't see this document personally, and I, I don't think we, we have stopped uh, anybody from, from treating this as an open source um, document that people can, can take. I mean, we've certainly taken best practices and, and, you know, ideas from other folks, um, uh, sites and and use that as inspiration and and I hope other people would do the same. Let's step through the nine of them real quick, if you don't mind, um, just to yeah, kind of sure. get a high level overview. I'll, I'll I'll name the the three word or two word four word the the short version, and if if you could just give me a a sentence or two about uh, what 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 you're trying to achieve here. So the first, be user focused. So this one, of course, there's a reason why it comes first, uh, and that's because we want to put our users first and at the center of every decision that we make when we're building websites. And there's two reasons there. One, you know, just recognizing that your audience members should be first, but also that you're avoiding making decisions based on your own assumptions of what should be on the site. And, you know, I think uh, in higher ed, uh, we come across these discussions where we encounter people that feel they have ideas about what the best solution is um, from their own point of view. Uh, so we want to avoid that behavior as well. So it's one of my favorites. Support decisions with data. So this one's related to be user focused and it's the idea that you should be when you're making decisions using data that you've collected uh, to base those decisions on and it should be current data uh, and also that you're you know, uh, keeping an eye on your, for example, your statistics on an ongoing basis that you are regularly uh, conducting qualitative audits on your websites um, and making decisions based on data and not assumptions again. I, I love that because I, I'm in so many client meetings where it's like, I think our users are finding this particular thing by clicking here and then clicking right. here. It's like, how do you know that? Like, right. I would love to see the data. Be yes. consistent, number three. Be consistent. So this one is related of course to the idea that we need to follow a consistent look and feel and provide a consistent experience for audience members we that's a feedback that we hear from our audience members a lot is that they don't like navigating throughout our websites and our services and having a completely different look and feel and uh, you know a different navigation so being as consistent as possible it also includes information about making sure you are using content at its at 
from its source um, rather than duplicating it on your website. So rather than taking admissions information that's already on our undergraduate admissions website or our admissions website and re, you know, uh, creating it on your site, that you should just link to the original source information. It's a whole lot easier to maintain that way for sure. It is. Make sites accessible. That one sounds fairly straightforward for a higher yeah. ed site, right? It is, it is. But this one is uh, evolving into our Make Sites Inclusive yep. uh, area. So it'll have more information about uh, gender, gender neutral language, um, I, you know, uh, taking into consideration different EDI aspects or DEI aspects um, of your site, um, in addition to, of course, accessibility. Be thorough in your process, or I suppose in Canada it would be the process, right? <laughs> no process. I say process. Oh, okay. Process. I, I always hmm. hear process from my Canadian friends. Process. Maybe there's a different, I, I think I say it both ways. Anyways, <laughs> um, so be thorough in your process. This is making sure you're taking all the steps you need to take in order to thoroughly research your project, plan and design it, uh, launch it and then evaluate it on an ongoing basis. So you don't just, you know, quickly throw together a plan, launch a website and then never evaluate it, that you are following all the steps that you should take. Less is more. Less is more. This is my absolute favorite standard. And I think it's the one where we have the most area or opportunity for improvement on our websites because i think over time our sites uh have you know become bloated with information we're just constantly adding more and more detail and thinking about more initiatives and things to add and we never take the time uh to think carefully about what needs to be removed and things need to be removed all the time so as a result we have these huge websites and we have audience members who tell us that they're overwhelmed by the amount of information they're bombarded by every day so uh yeah less is more is a big one and we have a big push right now going on where we're encouraging people to really pair their sites back um, and really be thorough about removing unnecessary content. I've been a part of a, a migration effort where um, one of the standards is to remove a large or a percentage of the content, um, which is ah. kind of exciting because that is. That less is more can can really mean a lot. And yeah, definitely paring down to, to make your, your content useful is, is good. We have recently launched two websites where we reduced one site by 90%. Wow. Yeah. I, would think, I was thinking it was only like 30 or something is what we were being asked to do, but nine, that's a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you think about over time, all of the like articles and events and all of those, yeah, all that information, it doesn't need to live forever. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely stuff that is no longer important and can come off the site. That's it. But it's gone from the historical record. I mean, people are grasping onto it, right? Well, part of that, we, we just started working with the, the libraries who have access to a, a fancy version of the Wayback Machine. Cool. Uh, so we are going to be launching, hopefully soon, an archiving service. Um, right now, we're just doing offline archives, but we want to, I don't know if you are familiar, I can't remember what it's called. 
archive it. That's what it's called. Um, and it's a service for, uh, you can, you know how when you go to the Wayback Machine, you can ask it to archive a web page. Mm -hmm. With the archive it service, you could actually get it, get asked the Wayback Machine to archive a collection of content. So that's what uh, we are hoping will give us a way to archive our content um, and then reassure people that it doesn't have to go away forever. We're going to archive it in archive it and then we can remove it from your website. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. Protect websites and users' data. Yeah, I think this is the the OG standard because it's sure. the one that I think from an from an IT perspective we've all been aware of for for many years. There's there's really high um, I think uh, requirements for for Canadian sites to protect in in terms of protection of data. So uh, it's a big one, and it includes things like you know not collecting um, uh, credit card information. <laughs> on a, you know, good a, idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things like that, that you could be held liable. I don't know if it's the same in the States, but if you create a web form that collects credit card information, it's not the institution who's going to be held liable. You personally will be held liable um, in Canada or can be held liable for that. I guess being an if, American, I just assume everyone's getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's always an opportunity to sue in every situation, right? In the States. So a, a part of that is also get, get the heck off of Drupal seven, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm sure we'll be doing more shows in the future about other things that are upgrading, but it's, it's quite the, quite the process to, uh, <laughs> get off of Drupal 7 and, and move to modern Drupal. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people going through that at this point. That's for that, sure. Yes. Yeah. And we are, that's actually one of the, the extra messages that we're adding on to this uh, clean up your website uh, campaign is get your, get your web forms off of your site. Okay. Build, evaluate, revise. Sounds like Thanks. a life cycle to me. It is like a life cycle. And I feel like it's also agile without saying agile. Um, so it, it's a, you know, an idea that you you just build the best possible tool that you can uh, with the current data that you have and you continue to do that on a regular ongoing basis. So, so yeah, it's a good one. Collaborate and share collaborate and share so this the last two that we just talked about build evaluate and revise and collaborate and share are two of the standards we're going to kind of beef up this year because i think it's there there's a lot of opportunity and and i think untapped potential uh, to really make our our community of practice into you know, a community that supports each other and works together and it's they're related to these two standards. So collaborate and share, we're already starting to do that a little bit in the way that we share ideas and and help each other out. But, you know, in terms of like, for example, all this great user research that we're doing in all the different departments, how can we better, I think, um, share that share those takeaways and and sh and make sure that they're being applied across the university um when there are things that could be useful um for everyone so if you have 1500 people <laughs> that are are inside of drupal at some point that's a pretty large community um if they were all to get together that would be you know the third biggest drupal con 
uh, in, in the world. Um, I think I think there are bigger installations, though. When oh, I go to DrupalCon, I hear about bigger ones. Sure, yeah, but like that's still that's that's a significant community. They're not all Drupal developers, but mm -hmm. being users, I think there's a lot of sharing that can go on as far as like this doesn't work. Can we fix that? You know, hopefully that can, that collaboration can be healthy and, and improve everything, including Drupal. Absolutely. Yes. And, and that's a great connection that I like to highlight in my presentation, that this idea that I think part of, of the reason we've been able to establish a community of practice for our digital standards compliance is because our platform is part of a community of practice. Drupal as an open source community is, is a community of practice. Uh, so it's a good um, base, I think, for us to, to build our, our internal community on. And also, if you're thinking about doing a digital standards community of practice like model in your own university, you already know what it is to participate in a community of practice. Uh, so, you know, you go to Drupal cons, you go to Drupal events, you don't have to do those things, but you want to do those things because you're excited and, and interested and want to be part of the Drupal community. So that whole passion and, and interest, that's what you want to create in your, your um, university environment or college environment related to your digital standards. Very good. Is there anything more you'd like to add as we point toward wrapping this up? No, oh, uh, just that I hope to connect with people about their digital standards, uh, you know, our governance framework initiatives, and would love to hear from people. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can connect with me at, uh, I, I think it's just Joyce.Peralta is my LinkedIn URL. So I hope to, to hear from folks. Well, very good. I guess to mirror less is more. I, I think that's it. Thanks. Thanks for your time today. Oh. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Nice to meet you. And uh, hope to hear from you again.